Welcome to the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, featuring stellar conversations with emerging and established Wickedly Smart Women. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate women who are committed, care deeply, and have the courage to take action and create conscious change all around the world. Now here's your Wickedly Smart host, Angel B. Hartwell. Welcome to another episode of the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, where we celebrate Wickedly Smart Women and provide our listeners with a wealth of wisdom, along with immediately actionable steps to be smarter, spunkier, and more successful in their impact and their leadership. This is your host, Angel B. Hartwell, and today I have a very special guest, Blake Schofield. Blake is the founder of The Bridge to Fulfillment, a mom of three and former corporate executive who spent 18 years in corporate America building, growing, and turning around eight and nine figure businesses. Today, Blake with her team help other heart-centered, driven professional women who are at a career crossroads to figure out how to use their skills and passions to transition into more fulfilling careers without having to worry about taking a pay cut or starting over. Welcome to the show, Blake. So glad to have you here today. Thank you. I'm I'm honored to be here and to be able to share the stage with you today. Beautiful. Well, I want to talk first to you about leadership, because obviously somebody who's been in the positions that you've been in in corporate America, you've been in a leadership role for a very long time. And I'm curious, where did that come from, Blake? Did that come from, like, were you the little one in third grade who was directing all of the first graders? Or or was this something that came later in life? Yeah. You know, I would tell you if you were to look back at me as a little little child, I was exceedingly shy. So shy, so shy, in fact, that I would climb behind my sister and have her speak for both of us. My sister, interestingly enough, went, my parents divorced when I was seven. When I was 10, my sister went to live with my dad. And all of a sudden, I went from being the little sister who had someone to speak for her to having to learn to speak for myself. When I was 12 years old, my mom, I think, recognized a leadership potential in me and started putting me in organizations. So actually, I was 10. I was at 12. I was actually president of sort of a mini sorority, so to speak, for younger girls. And so I started my leadership journey off early. But I would tell you, I really didn't learn how to be a leader until much later in my life. In fact, several years after I had already been leading people in an organization that promoted me but didn't have leadership training or leadership direction. And I went through many of the challenges that I think new leaders go through and trying to understand and identify how to develop a team and how to build camaraderie and how to do all the things, be the great boss you want to be. And thankfully, I was very blessed to move into an organization that really focused on leadership and leadership development. And so I guess I would say it was a mix. I started as a leader young, But it really wasn't until my early 30s when I truly began to understand who I was as a leader and begin to understand the dynamics and the importance of self-awareness as well as awareness of others and how to build relationships as opposed to just leading and directing. Mm, Beautiful. I love that. So one of the things I heard there in that story is that you know, there was a period of time where you were in a leadership role, but you really didn't know what the heck you were doing, right? So I think this happens a lot for 
especially when women lead themselves out of corporate and into an entrepreneurial venture, which apparently that's something that you have done as well, where we end up finding ourselves in positions of some level of power, but feeling at some level like we don't know what the heck we're doing. So I'd love to have you talk a little bit about maybe what your feelings were during that period of time and what you might have done to help yourself to begin to grow in your awareness and your self-awareness as well as your leadership skills before you had an organization that was really investing in you. Yes. I think today, you know, it's hindsight's always 2020. Today it's so clear to me, you know, my clients, like I said, come to me to align work with their strengths, skills, and passions. So they are more fulfilled and have better balanced lives. And often through this journey, we uncover some of the challenges that were really there that were their challenges as opposed to their environment challenge. So I'll share this with you because it literally happened on a client call today. A client was telling me about how she really wants to make sure she moves to an organization that listens to everybody. And she wants to feel like no matter where you are in the level of the organization, you're valued, your voice is listened to. And we were talking about how do you understand the right level of questions to identify if that's the right match. And so I started asking her to explain to me more about what this organization look and feel like. And she struggled. And I said, well, tell me more about what your experiences have been that don't feel good. And she starts recounting to me things that were literally the experiences I had as a new leader. And it became very clear to me in that conversation, okay, if we don't actually fix the root cause, which is how you're approaching this circumstance, you won't be able to solve that problem moving somewhere else. And I see that happen all of the time. Often we think that the circumstances are why we're unfulfilled and we just carry the same problems with us. So what she was experiencing was similar to my, I'll say my, it was my second role leading people. I was promoted to, I had been running this really small team. We had gotten phenomenal results. In fact, we were the number two buying office out of 90 in the entire company. And they promoted me to this much larger role. My entire team for context had been working 70 plus hours a week for two years. They were completely burned out. The role was way too big for a small team that we had. And the expectations honestly were unrealistic. And when I came in as a new leader, I think many people make this mistake of thinking that I need to come in and save my team, show that I'm competent, do a great job. What I didn't understand then that I understand now is that it's far more about building relationships I was talking this morning about the idea of, and what I really learned around warmth versus competence. As women, we sometimes over-rev on competence because we, we worry that we don't really deserve it, that we're not really as good as other people think that we are. And we think if we show up as competent in our role, we will be successful. And yet we're actually not leaning into the thing that's our very, very strongest strength, which is relationships and people. And so some of my biggest mistakes that I made in my early leadership days were focusing so heavy on being competent instead of really building relationships with people and having that open dialogue. And I could see the same exact thing with my client. And I've run into this over and over and over again, where we're not really taking the time to truly understand and allow people to come alongside us, ask questions as opposed to sharing our perspective and build that team dynamic, that buy-in that I think is really important. And sometimes it's hard to do that, can be very hard to do that if you have a lot of fears or doubts or anxieties about yourself Mm -hmm. and you don't know who you are as a leader or who you are as a person and you don't feel confident in being able to be your authentic self. 
you're putting on a front every day. And that is a barrier to you being a stronger leader for your team. Sure. Well, so I want to speak a little bit about, you know, you are probably a generation or half a generation younger than I am. There was a period as I was coming into my leadership where there was just such a lot of pressure to become masculinized. And I think that that masculinization probably petered down into the next level of generation. But in some ways, your cohort has been able to start to elevate and celebrate the softer skills in ways that we didn't feel that we had the space to even do that. So I want to talk now a little bit about how you help to translate that there is value in these relationships, in these softer skills. There is value. I mean, obviously, somebody who's turned around eight and nine figure businesses, there's tangible results that you have been able to create, obviously. But when the mindset has been you know, I've got to prove myself or I've got to compete with the boys or whatever that mindset is, or I've got to be, I had a guy once say, oh yeah, all you women now are just boys with breasts, you know, like you're all just trying to be boys with breasts. And, you know, it was a shocking thing for him to say, but it was the way that people talked then. And I think things are changing, but I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about, you know, what you brought for yourself first and what you bring now for your clients to help them dismantle this masculinization, I guess is what we'll call it. Yeah, I think that's so true. And what's interesting, Angel, I guess I I would say is when I was in corporate, I didn't, I didn't have a name for what I felt. I just felt like I had to put on a, a suit of armor every day and go to work. And it was exhausting. And it wasn't until I became an entrepreneur and I began to understand a different way of living. I got out of the environment that I looked and I said, wow, our environments, our corporate environments were built by men for men and women had to, to your point, we had to, my mom, you know, like many times she didn't get opportunities because she was a woman. Many times she was promised things and then reneged on them because she didn't they knew that she wouldn't stand up for herself. Right. I watched my grandmother didn't have the same choices. And so not only do we have environments that were built for men, but then we have generations of women in front of us that were telling us you have to sacrifice. You have to suck it up. You're going to have to work harder than everyone else. You can't be emotional. We were told all of these messages. And so many times in my corporate career, I really struggled because I am a very, I'm an empath. I'm an emotional person. On one side, like there's tremendous passion and the ability to influence and bring people along. On the other side, right, is a sensitivity to my environment in ways which can be very difficult when you work in toxic environments to keep that out. And so I went through many moments in my career where I broke down into tears and then beat myself up for, you know, that's not acceptable. I even remember at one company, I was told that they could tell that I didn't like to do the like tactical low-level detailed stuff. And that was a problem. And I'm like, why is that a problem? Why can't we celebrate that I'm the strategist and the visionary and there's somebody else who's good at that? And that I needed to be even keeled. And I guess what I would say is what I have learned in the last five years is the importance of bringing more humanity back to corporate America. 
you know, as women, we, we've made some progress, but not nearly enough. You have 14% of the C-suite as women. And I tell you, I, I look at the majority of the women that are leading corporations today. And internally, I think they're really angry. They are angry. They have sacrificed so much to get where they are. They believed that that was the only option that they had. And they have become cold and hard. They're not relatable. The emotion is completely shut off. And the hard part is when the emotion shut off at work, it's shut off at home too. And so for me, a huge part of my passion is to be able to help women see there's so much more possibility for their life. You can be incredibly successful as a woman and also use your emotions to work for you. You can be vulnerable and honest and actually be a stronger leader that people want to follow that creates better results. It doesn't have to be this old perspective and approach about doing things. And until we as women start to understand and honor who we are, what we're gifted at, and start asking for what we deserve, Mm. we'll never change the culture, right? Mm. We are key to that. And I think some of what's hard for me, you know, my husband's always like, well, you're definitely a feminist. And I'm like, I am, but I don't relate to the femininity of men are the problem and we have to do all of this. I don't believe in forcing a certain percentage of the C-suite to be women's chairs. I don't believe in that. What I believe in is that we have the ability to create that change ourselves. We have the ability to build allies Mm -hmm. and we we're half of the workforce. If you're telling me that half of the workforce could not sway what happens, we have real issues. Yes, we have real issues. And so a huge part of my heart in this is to help empower women to understand who you are, the value that you bring and ask for what the heck you want. Because the more women we have starting to do that, the more women we have being successful by being themselves, by leaving to go to work, to go to their kids' sports game, by saying it's not the number of hours I sit in my chair, but it's actually the value I drive. Yeah. The more things will actually finally progressively change. And I think about then what does that mean for our daughters and our granddaughters about actually being able to have the balance they want. Beautiful. Well, we will talk about that when we come back from the break. Right now, we are going to take a short break. We could leave smart women. We could use your help. If you're enjoying the show and want us to stay on the air, please consider making a donation at www.wickedlysmartwomen.com. We'd also like to ask you to share with your lovely lady friends who you think might benefit from our content. Help a gal out and let your sisters, mothers, daughters, friends, and colleagues know about the show so that we can serve them too. Very excited. We're now downloading in 98 countries, and we're going to shout out today and say a big thank you to all of our listeners who are downloading, rating, and reviewing. This week, we're going to shout out to our listeners in Latvia, Kyrgyzstan, and north of Dallas, Texas. And we will be right back with Blake Schofield. The Wickedly Smart Women podcast is brought to you by The Wealthy Life Mentor. Women, are you on the edge knowing that life is calling you to make a change? Are you ready to be part of the evolution of what it means to be a wickedly smart woman creating your wealthy life by design, a life that is an extraordinary work of art? Angel B. Hartwell, The Wealthy Life Mentor, is hired by Women in Transition, Women just like you who want to break through to their brilliance, become clear on the value of their wisdom, and embody a beauty-filled, balanced life of shameless self-expression. 
Discover your wealthy life readiness by taking the quiz at quiz.wealthylifementor.com. And we are back with Blake Schofield. You can find out more about Blake and the work that she does with women at thebridgetofulfillment.com. We will have that for you in the show notes. So before we went to the break, we were talking about part of your philosophy is that not that we have to challenge the men, but we have to actually support each other to step more fully into our unique and more feminine gifts and embrace those gifts and value those gifts and speak up about those gifts and take a stand for ourselves. And so, you know, the thing that is really interesting here that I feel is is kind of a, a thread is that you were the little girl who you, your sister was the voice for you. And so now here you are in this leadership role helping other women to find their voice. And so I'd love to have you speak a little bit about what the Bridge to Fulfillment does offer to people and and specifically who you're working with at this point. Yes. So thank you. So yes, I work with professional women who I would call driven and heart-centered, right? We tend to be the women who are the givers. We care about helping other people. But we're also really career-driven. I I never envisioned myself being a stay-at-home mom. I love my children, but I needed more for my life. So the women I help are women who, on paper, and everyone would say, lead a successful life. But there's something underneath that's not fulfilling, right? There's something missing, something more that they want for their life. But everything they look at feels like more of the same or a huge step backwards to create that change. That was my personal journey. My business is built from my own personal journey and what I struggled with for over 20 years until I finally fixed the root cause, understood why that was happening and how to align my life. And so what we really do is we help women get three things, clarity, clarity on where you are and truly where it is that you want to go. What is that gap, right? And really be able to articulate that so that you can bring that to fruition. Number two, we help her build an empowered mind. And I think that's critically important because often we don't realize when we're at inflection points or challenges in our life, it's not just tactical. Everyone wants to tell you it's just tactical. Go, just go do this thing. But the reality is we have limiting beliefs. We have blind spots. We have fears, doubts, anxieties. And if we're not dealing with those things and we're not understanding and overcoming those things, they will lead our lives. So I help women be empowered and understand how to use their brain to work for them. Or like I, I like to say, how to use your emotions to work for you as opposed to driving your life. And then the third thing I do is help them get a strategic roadmap. How can you strategically understand what it is that you need and want to align your life and then build a plan to be able to position yourself and bring that to fruition? Beautiful. I love it. And are your women other entrepreneurs as well, or are they primarily in corporate? They are in corporate. I actually started the business out helping women who wanted to become entrepreneurs, but maybe didn't know what kind of business to build. Mm -hmm. And I actually helped them figure out what their gifts and skills were and start their own businesses. As I started doing that work, Angel, what I started hearing from my clients is, oh my gosh, what you do is so important. There are so many more women you should be helping. Mm. And so I expanded at that point to start helping women who were unfulfilled in their corporate roles to try and figure out what else they could do. And then I also had women, what I would call the unsure path. They were in between. I'm debating both. 
And so the first several years, I actually covered all three of those arenas and helping women really find the right path for them. And then when the pandemic hit and everyone was so heavy hit, I came from retail. I came from a retail background and I could tell with everything in my being that there were women who were going to be forced to make industry changes and forced to make significant changes in their career. And I felt really called to speak to them, to offer free resources. As a result of that, the career side of my business really took off. And what I began to see was this path of understanding, you know, my business is born, not just of my own personal 20 year journey, but as I said to you, my mom got a divorce when she was, when I was seven years old, I watched my mom's own personal transformation. I watched her really struggle in her career. I watched her lose her job, change jobs and industries multiple times. I watched her work herself to death, fearful that she was not good enough, worried about getting fired work so hard and then be devastated because the things that had been promised her didn't come to fruition. I watched her go through all of those struggles. And so ultimately it became really clear to me that this path and this journey is really my calling. It's what since a little seven-year-old girl was trying to solve that problem for her mom. And so it became, it became very clear to me that there aren't enough people in the corporate space changing the dynamics of what's happening, but I have a really unique perspective, a really unique approach and a really unique understanding of this because of the level of which I reached in my career in corporate, because as a little seven, eight, nine-year-old girl, my parents were talking about work at home. This has been something I've been deeply entrenched in pretty much my whole life. Mm -hmm. And so it became clear to me at that point, you need to focus your energy where you can create the biggest impact. And so that's really what we do today is we don't help women that are looking to be entrepreneurs, but we help women that are unfulfilled, figure out how do they realign their life and their career to truly create the life they want. Yeah, beautiful. So I want to talk a little bit now about, you know, what it took for you to value your vision, because I know that the listeners that we have all over the world, they span across both, you know, women in corporate, as well as many, many of our listeners are entrepreneurial, like you and I both. And so one of the things that I know that I had to do when I left, I left a 20-year career in real estate and one of the challenges I had in that was the, the guy who was my employee refused to be fired. I had to have my my superior come down who was a man and fire the guy, even though I had the voice. And I did say, you're fired. He refused to accept that back when I was in, in more of a corporate type environment. I wasn't really in a corporate. It was more of a, I don't know, it's in between entrepreneurial and corporate and the real estate business. And so what I want to ask you today now is about valuing your own vision and being willing to say yes to starting something because you did start something brand new. You did start over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so your question, if I understand it, is how, how did I find that or how would I advise? Yeah, to, yeah, to, val- to like really find the value in, in your own vision, like really own, I can do this. I can leave this that's not working for me anymore. And I can create something that will work for me, whether it's entrepreneurial or whether it's getting, you know, employed in another organization. It's it's really about the valuing and betting on your own vision. Yes, 100%. Well, I would first and foremost, start by saying that it was a journey. I don't know anybody that starts out I'm sure there are a few people, but anybody that really starts out and says, I value myself. I know that this can work, right? 
And it's why my business is called The Bridge to Fulfillment, because so many women believe it has to be a big leap. And I would say, I think that's a huge mistake. In the entrepreneurial world, I think there's far too much masculine energy around, oh, just push through it and just burn the boats and do all of this ridiculous stuff that actually creates more stress and anxiety. Because if you don't have clarity and you don't know where you're going, and then you're putting financial risk or personal risk on top of that, that's really unhealthy. But what I would tell you is it started for me as a personal inward journey. And honestly, over 10 years of my corporate career, I was starting, I was going through that reading books, trying to figure out. But ultimately for me, the big thing that swung things, and it's the thing I often tell women that we don't, most of us don't do well enough, is I got to a point where I realized, number one, I need to surrender the outcome. I got to a place, I often talk about the breakdown cycle, which is what I went through. And one of the biggest lessons I want women to understand, if you're going through cycles of being fulfilled and unfulfilled in your career, and it's better for a short period of time, and then all the pain comes back and you keep making changes, hoping they will get better. You are going through what's the breakdown cycle. And what I didn't know is I was telling myself I was being responsible. I'm successful. I should be happy with myself. And then I was finding periods of time where like, Things that used to be small then started to really bother me that didn't used to bother me. I started kind of thinking some of the stuff that I'm doing doesn't really matter. (laughs) Like I'm not saving people's lives. And then I started looking and saying, okay, the only options I have are more of the same or, or a huge sacrifice. And I kept going thinking I was being safe, but I was actually leading to a breakdown moment, right? The, and a breakdown, what happens when you reach a breakdown, right? It's, and it's preceded by feeling trapped in your job is you either be put on a performance plan or layoff, even if you've been a top performer before, because you can't continue on in a misaligned path without it eventually coming back to bite you, or you have a severe personal or emotional breakdown. Well, I got to that point. I got to that point after moving cross country twice, after working at five different companies, after continuing to try and make changes to make it better. And so I got to a point where I finally had to surrender. And I just said, okay, what I'm doing is not working, Mm -hmm. right? And then the second big thing that sort of started to open the doors for me was I invested in getting help. Mm-hmm. And I think women by nature have a lot of misperceptions around asking for help. We don't want to be a burden. We think that we should be able to do it ourselves, that we should be self-sufficient, that people that are successful are capable of doing everything on their own. Or if I can't figure it out myself, then nobody else can help me. Right. Because right. I should know what it is. Sure. I should be wickedly smart. <laughs> I should be wickedly smart. I have all of the answers. And so for me, I would say the path to really begin beginning, beginning to open that door is to surrender and recognize that what I was doing wasn't going to get me where I wanted to go. And I needed help mm. and to truly seek out wise counsel from somebody who'd been where I wanted to go and had successfully achieved it. The very first time I invested myself, I was scared to death. It was a $10,000 investment. I had been out of corporate for about six months trying to run my own business. I could clearly see the trajectory I was on was not going to get me where I wanted to go. And I had a pocket of money left. Mm. And my choice was continue down this path and maybe have to suck it up and go back to a career I didn't want to go to or take the bet on me and hope that this thing would work. Mm-hmm. And I'm very thankful for my husband, who has always been my, my biggest supporter. And he said to me, what I think is a really valuable lesson. And so I'll share it in case there's a woman listening today who hasn't invested in herself and is fearful of doing so, or doesn't think she 
is worthy of it. My husband said to me, well, we invest in stocks in the stock market all the time. For what we hope will be an 8 or a 10% return, we have zero control over it, mm-hmm. over any of it. And he said, the one thing I know is, I know you, and I know when you commit to something, you will figure it out. Mm-hmm. And I know that the greatest ROI, ROI you'll ever get is investing in yourself. Mm-hmm. Because I believe in you, and I know that you'll achieve what you want to achieve. And that was what it took for me to make that decision, to make that very first investment. Mm, And that very first investment opened doors and opportunities I could have never imagined. I'd say I've probably invested at this point over $300,000 in the last four plus years. And every single one of them have reaped massive benefits. So I would tell women who are looking to understand how do I build clarity around what I want? How do I believe in myself? How do I have a passion to go after it? I would tell yourself, invest in yourself. What a way to end. Thank you. Listeners, we love feedback. Please let us know what you think of today's show by calling into our listener line. We'll have that for you in the show notes, or you can send in questions or guest suggestions to listeners at wickedlysmartwomen.com. We might even give you a shout out on the show. Thanks for tuning in. Keep your ears open. And remember, you are a wonderful woman. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, and listening. Be sure to rate and review Wickedly Smart Women on Apple Podcasts and share with other women who can benefit from today's episode. Wickedly Smart Women is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leader who carries profound wisdom and knows that now is the time to welcome wealth. We welcome your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of each new episode at wickedlysmartwomen.com.